grind like today makes it or breaks it. Hustle like you never have before and thrive on the fruits of your labor. Hustle, grind, thrive, repeat. This is Thrive Kings. Here's your host, Craig Fountain. Welcome to the Thrive Kings podcast. Today's guest is the founder of Gen Z Designs, connecting brands with the world's most powerful consumer base. Our guest is also the founder and executive director of Champions for Charity, which is a nonprofit empowering young athletes to make a difference. And additionally, our guest was formerly the president of the Vanderbilt Innovation and Entrepreneurship Society. I'm very excited to introduce to you Andrew Roth. How are you doing, Andrew? Doing great. Thank you so much, Craig. It's a pleasure to be here. Outstanding. I appreciate you coming on. And I think that what a lot of entrepreneurs are struggling with these days is who they want to market to. And once they gather the demographic they want to target for whatever business or service or solution or product they're offering, they discover pretty quickly that with a lot of demographics, there are gaps in how generations respond to your marketing. And I was attracted to your company and wanted to talk to you because you specialize in marketing to Generation Z. For those that don't necessarily understand the nuances between certain generations, who is Generation Z? How would you describe them. So Gen Z, as the, you know, the short name for it, is around the ages of 13 to 23. That's pretty much an estimate, but you know, really we're students, uh, we're digital natives, people that have been born with technology at our fingertips. People want to refer to a group of people in, in more of a slang term, definitely the young people. Or I've heard iGen as referring to the i generation. Um, really, we're, we're, we're a group of people that are entering you know, in, in school and entering the workforce. There's a number of generations that exist besides Gen Z. Obviously, there's Gen Z, there's Millennials, Generation X, there's Boomers. How would you describe the primary differences between these particular generations? Yeah, I think that's a good question. You know, obviously age is probably the easiest one to use, but I don't know if that's always the most effective measure to indicate a, a really good difference between the generations. You know, once you get to the ages of 23, 24, 25, really what difference, you know, it's not like there's a, a, a solid time when a Gen Zer turns into a millennial. And so for us and for me at Gen Z Designs, I think it really comes down to behaviors and the, and the way we are with each other. And so I've defined Gen Z as a it's a fearless, it's a passionate, proud generation, more so than any gener generation in the past. We're the most diverse generation, we're the most entrepreneurial, or the generation that's not really willing to stand by while our peers are suffering. I think we are an activist generation, one that's that's willing to stand up for what they believe in. And I think when you when it comes to looking at older generations, really, it feels like us as Gen Z are, are kind of here in some ways to clean up the mess that the older generations have left, and left us. And nah, that's no, no offense to you, Craig, but you know, it seems like just whether it's the environment or you know the school shootings whatever it is it feels like we're the ones suffering the consequences and i think people in our generation are really stuck up with that and and, and ready to make change now i think i would personally qualify as far as being or identify being a millennial based on my age frame and, or my age and my peers uh, so on and so forth and one of the things that i heard a lot when i was younger was that my generation was the generation that wasn't going to do as well as their parents are there particular generations that you think were extremely weak links in the chain so to speak 
No, I mean, I don't know if that's necessarily fair to say. I think every generation is put in, you know, the time frame they're in and the environment definitely presents new challenges. I think, you know, when you look at patterns that the millennial generation graduated, you know, high school and college in the same kind of economic downturn we are in now, um, you know, after COVID, they were graduating after the recession. So really those those events start to shape the generation and things like, you know, 9-11 also shaped the millennial generation that really changed the way you know, people spend and changed the way people travel. And so, you know, I think that these, these patterns can really define kind of the characteristics of a generation, but I wouldn't say that there's one that was particularly lazy or had bad effects on the rest. I think it's just a perception, you know, they say perception's reality, and it's one of those things where society was changing so rapidly throughout the millennial generation's growth from going to school into adulthood and finding a place in in society. I think that the way our country and society transformed them, you know, as far as you mentioned, Gen Z's very passionate. They're an activist generation. I think some of that started a little bit earlier. I just don't think we were quite as passionate, but there's a lot of things that changed in society very rapidly. Now that we've kind of talked about who Generation Z is and a little bit about millennials. Those are probably the two generations that are going to be the primary audience of a podcast. The way media and content delivery is moving in that direction. For our listeners, why is it imperative that businesses focus their marketing efforts on targeting Generation Z? Yeah, I mean, to, to start off, Generation Z makes up 40% of consumers in the U.S. And that's a big number. When you look at the generations that are alive right now, there you know, we mentioned Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers. We make up 40% of consumer spending, you know, which is a, a tremendous amount. And that's not even, and, and we're just getting started, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're leaving college, we're, we're in, in school right now, and we're getting ready to actually have our own financial impact on the economy, you know, from our own income. And being able to understand how our generation works, we we interact with media in ways that are completely different than any other generation in the past, right? Our previous generations use technology to enhance experiences. We use technology as our experience, right? We, we are the ones that are setting the trends and the standards for the later generations on technology, right? You, know, you look at a platform like TikTok, that is is so successful right now because of the way that our generation is used to that. And so when you, when you think about what it means to market to our generation and why that's important and why it's important to focus your efforts on that, because we're setting the standard for what everyone else is doing. And so if you're not understanding what we're doing right now, then you're not going under, to understand in the, in the future how, how to market to your generations if they're not Gen Z. What I find interesting is when I was a bit younger, there was a popular social media platform by the name of Vine. They had much shorter video clips than TikTok, but it was essentially the same idea, if I understand correctly. I wasn't a user. Uh, with that being said, is TikTok's popularity, considering that there's been other applications or platforms that had similar ideas, the fact that TikTok's so popular now, is that indicative of the difference between Gen Z consuming the content and maybe Vine was just a little too ahead of its time? It's a good question. And honestly, I don't know if we know enough about our behaviors on TikTok to completely understand it. But what I will say is that I think what TikTok, one of the reasons it is so successful and, and how how they got their start, it, you know, it's because of music. You know, Gen Z and, and the way we interact with music is such a unique, uh, such a unique experience. And, and we were able to utilize the power of TikTok by sharing, you know, by, by using a sound as kind of the base for producing content. Um, I think that's really what sets it apart and kind of what launched, what, what got us successful. You know, I think as a generation, we are pretty 
pretty on top of trends and, and move pretty quickly with them. And so when new songs come out or new you know dances come out, it really all originates around that that sound. And so that platform allows us to utilize that sound in a, in a unique way that was really different from Vine. TikTok's an interesting platform. And as somebody in their 30s, my buddies will make fun of me if I'm scrolling through TikTok. I personally love TikTok. I love the different type of content that you can find on there. I love that anybody can get on there. And if they do something that's going to make somebody laugh, cry, feel some sort of emotion, if it's authentic and they can be found organically, anybody can really make a name or a personal brand or an identity for themselves. What are the key fundamentals businesses need to focus on when it comes to reaching Gen Z? Yeah, that's a good question. And at Gen Z Designs, uh, we've, we've narrowed it down to three. We call it the three eyes of youth marketing, impression, interaction, and influence. And so impression is is that first initial attraction to content or to a brand. And, and there's a popular statistic goes going around that says, you know, a Gen Z attention span is about eight seconds. We think it's a lot shorter than that. But regardless, that attention span is really important, you know, in, in capturing that initial first impression. You have to understand what you're doing, why you're doing it, and why we should engage with your content right in the first few moments we're interacting with your brand. So that's the first part, impression. The second part is interaction. We look at, once we've gotten past the impression stage, we look at, okay, what does it actually take to engage with your brand? How can I how can I talk to you, whether it's on social media or through your website? What does it look like? What kind of services do you offer? And how am I going to gain value from this if I'm interacting with it? We value brands not for their products, but for their relationship with us. Because brands are no longer just a, a transaction. It's really a way to establish a relationship with the company and also showcase your personal values in a way that you couldn't do before. You know, By purchasing something, you then represent that brand. And when we're in an age of information overload, when we have choices to make, all those choices are, are available to us. What, what we choose really represents who we are. And so it's important that in the interaction phase, we're really getting a sense of who the brand is and why we should interact with them and purchase from them. And the last one, the last stage of it is influence. So influence is really the ability of the brand to influence your decision to make a to make a purchase, but also your ability as a consumer to spread that brand and showcase what you believe in through the brand, um, which kind of tags on to, to the last part of interaction. But right again, with these choices we have, why choose one brand over the other? Well, for what they believe in, for their purpose. And that's why we're seeing so many purpose-driven brands coming and even brands like Nike that are really taking a stand for you know, things going on in America right now and, 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 and being an example for how, how to stand up to racial injustice, how to, how to showcase diversity in the, in the right ways. And those, that's why Nike is also one of the more successful brands when it comes to Gen Z, because they really do a good job of capturing not only their good products, but also the values that, that we believe in. With your three eyes in mind, okay, and progressive marketing values that are being delivered to Gen Z, with those in mind, what are the most important marketing strategies or platforms necessary to reaching them? The one most important thing to have in mind is you can't assume that Gen Z will like this or engage with this. You have to talk to us. And a lot of brands just assume that their strategies based on trends will work. And, and we've seen some bad examples. Gen Z can 
pretty easily tell when when a brand's fake or Gen Z slang. I think you know when it, when a brand is fake, we, we're really easy to pick up on that. And and so it's a really important for brands when they're thinking about their strategy. You can spend as much time as you want developing you know a four or five month campaign, but if you don't talk to us and figure out what things are important to us, then you're not going to really know how that platform, how that campaign uh, really hits home with our generation. And so you know when you talk about reaching Gen Z and the strategies you're using, you know you can you can go on all these different socials, you can be on TikTok, you can be on Snapchat, Inst- Instagram, Twitter, but if you're not understanding how we're going to react to it, then it doesn't really matter. By fake, do you mean that a company's identity or values don't correlate with the product, service, or solution they're offering? In some ways, yes, I think that is important. But I also think some companies you we can tell pretty easily when they're when they're trying to be intentionally funny and you know share, share a meme on Twitter or something, but they they obviously are not quite in in tune with the things that are going on, and maybe they've shared you know shared a a, a saying or something that's pretty old. I mean, I was just saw an example today of, of a company talking about Finsta, which is like a fake Instagram account. But that's honestly something that happened. It's kind of an older trend at this point. So obviously, they're not really in touch with what Gen Z is doing right now. And so, you know, just companies that are, are trying to do that without really understanding what's going on in our in our demographic, we perceive those as fake in a lot of ways. And that really not only ruins the interaction in the moment, but won't cause us to engage in the future. For those that may be listening that are starting a business or running a business, and maybe they belong to maybe they're a millennial gen x or a boomer and and maybe this is all kind of difficult for them to comprehend or get some sort of guidance out of gen z designs has a proprietary gen z score what is involved with that score and can it help people that are struggling to be in touch with the market effectively advertise to gen z our Gen Z score is something that was created about about a year ago. I was doing a lot of web design, actually. This is how the company started as a, as a web design company. But o- over that year, I was really struggling to quantify an impact uh, and more so wanted to be able to quickly identify how well a brand was doing with our generation. And so the Gen Z score, I, I was compiling a lot of research and I was working with a professor of mine at Vanderbilt to create a study. And then on top of that, just ended up creating this algorithm that predicts how likely your brand is to engage Generation Z based on all of the different metrics we collected over that year. So our Gen Z score will tell you, will give you a number from zero to 100 that tells you how likely your brand is to engage Gen Z. And that is a really good way to understand right off the bat what's going like, is your content hitting home? Is your brand something that's relevant? And, and the two ways we, we approach that are first, we have an analysis. So we really just give you a quick overview, a quick diagnostic on you know wh- where do you stand right now? What are a few different metrics that are going into this score? How do you how do you fall on those? And then what are five recommendations we can give you to improve the score? Uh, but the the full report, our Gen Z score report, um, is really our, our central product, and you know, that takes a look at all of the different metric metrics we use. We include a Gen Z focus group in that to really get authentic Gen Z voices in the feedback for your brand. Um, and we provide not only your scores but breakdown on each of the different metrics and how and our recommendations for how to improve those. And so that report we deliver to clients, um, and it's a really really great way to understand not only what you're doing right now to engage Gen Z, but what you can be doing better in the future. If I use your service and I get my Gen Z score, then I get my Gen Z score report. What actionable insights can I actually discover using your service? 
like I mentioned about the metrics we use, we'll detail out each of the different metrics and, and the recommendations our focus group have given you to actually implement those. You know, as an example, when you're talking about one of your social media channels, we will show you detailed information and tell you the exact steps you need to take to improve your score on that specific metric and, and improve your score overall. You know, I'm, I won't really go into detail on, on what those specific metrics are at the moment, but right now we're, we're building out a lot of different case studies on, on improving the value and the effectiveness of the score. For anybody interested in using your service, what kind of cost is associated? This sounds like a service that absolutely has a ton of value, probably to any brand or business product or solution. Is this a uh, affordable service? Our Gen Z score analysis, which is the the diagnostic, the checkup uh, is $20 and it's pretty affordable for anyone really willing and wanting to get a good sense of where they stand right now with Gen Z and what are five quick tips they can use to improve, right? You know, it's a $20, $20 analysis. Uh, we'll get that back to you in a day. And, and that's a, a very effective. We've seen a lot of value come from that. Now the Gen Z score report obviously is a little more in depth. We use all the different metrics we have as well as our Gen Z focus group that really gives detailed insights into that. And right now that's starting at a thousand dollars. And we have, a few different variations on that. You can look at just their website or just your social media accounts uh, for a little bit less, um, but the full report uh, using website and social media reports and uh, social media accounts together uh, is starting at $1,000. The service evolved from you offering web design services like we kind of talked about before. From an entrepreneurship standpoint and the growth of Gen Z, what does the timeline of Gen Z designs look like, starting with the vision to actually starting up and ultimately to your current state? To start off, something really important to understand about our generation, I mentioned this briefly, is, is this idea of information overload. You know, we are a generation born with technology at our fingertips, but that also means that we are being overloaded and exposed to different brands and, and different technologies so much every single day. And that is, is causing this idea of information overload, which, which really is, is one of the leading causes of anxiety and mental health issues in our generation, which is one of the primary um, health concerns with Gen Z. And so for, for me, when I was starting this company, it was really thinking about, okay, well, what is it like to interact with a brand right now? And the answer was, it, it's a poor interaction. I mean, many of the interactions we have really ended, weren't adding any value to our lives. And so our mission at Gen Z Designs is to help create a world where brands make people happy. And, and the idea, yes, it's it's a, it's simplified down to the idea of why can't a brand make someone happy? But I think it, it goes deeper in that, you know, how can we really work with a brand to make sure their content is not just producing a sale, it's really building the relationship and creating a world where brands are making people happy. And those interactions we have online are not contributing to the poor mental health and, and stress we have. They're actually making our lives better. So, you know, so that's that's the vision that goes into the company. And, and I think it started, started out just as a web design company building off some skills I previously had. But as I began compiling the work for this Gen Z score, actually this this March, uh, as coronavirus started you know, impacting our lives, uh, I decided to, it would be a good time to transition to focus on this score exclusively, you know, as, as businesses were all going online and, and people really needed to revamp their social presences without the option of retail. In March, we decided, I decided that it'd be a good time to start that. And so ended up putting out a call for a few different interns to help out. You know, I had my summer internship canceled and I'm sure others did too. And so ended up getting a great response and actually at the moment have 31 people that are working for me over the summer to really help create this world, create this world where brands do make people happy and, and helping brands engage Generation Z going beyond this idea of a score report, but also just really building the relationships with our clients. Now, we were talking before the show and you mentioned to me that in only the past two months, you've gone up to 30 employees. Is that correct? Right. 
Right. What would you attribute that growth to and what has gone into scaling your business to support and sustain the growth? Number one, would certainly attribute it in some ways to the COVID you know, outbreak. I think it has certainly ruined many opportunities for people. Um, but at the same time, you know, what I'm trying to capitalize on here is the opportunities that it has presented at the same time. Um, I think I was able to provide a place for other students to not only gain the experience they might not have anymore from from losing their internship, but also really just be a part of a community and part of something part of something we've all been missing over the last few months is really that sense of belonging, that sense of community that we strive for, especially us students that are in school that should should have been finishing out the school year with our you know with our friends as they graduate, but you know we're, we're first forced to go home and live with our parents. You know I think it was really an opportunity not only to learn but just work together in an environment that that was paralleled in some ways the environment at school and you know i think on top of that this idea of of believing in this common mission of, of creating a world where brands make people happy i think that was something that every single person i talked to they believed in and not just on a on a superficial level i think that was something they they truly understood and, and really helped helped me build the team and i think has continued to help us stay motivated and stay stay engaged in the work we're doing. So what's next for Gen Z Designs? Where where do we go from here? You've experienced this rapid growth. What's next? I think we will certainly see what happens as we start transitioning back to a more of a normal lifestyle. You know, our I'll be a senior this year at Vanderbilt, assuming we do go back in the fall. But because of the success we're having right now, I, I see no, you know, I, I foresee that this continues strong in a, in a strong way. And I, I think that we will really continue to make an impact. Our, our goal this summer is to become the leader in the Gen Z consulting space. And I really think we're on a great path to do, to do so. Um, you know, there's a few competitors we have and, and we have our sights set on them. And I think, you know, with the plan in place that we have, we're, we're really in a good spot to get there. Now, for anyone interested in doing business with you that's listening, mm-hmm. uh, where can they find you on the web and on social media? So we are at genzdesigns.com on the web, and our social media accounts are uh, Instagram Designs Gen Z, and then our Twitter Gen Z Designs. And I'm always available myself, uh, Andrew at genzdesigns.com is my email, and happy to chat with anyone. Now, are there any career opportunities or desired partnerships or desired collaborations currently at Gen Z Designs? Yeah, career-wise, we are always open to what other students are looking for. I think part of the attractiveness we have had with students is that we're just a, a great chance for people to learn and to grow and to develop their skills. Uh, so always open for any role you might want to pitch to me. Secondly, in terms of partnerships or collaborations, we actually do. So because we have this report where we offer these insights, uh, we work with partners that actually do the implementation work whether they're marketing agencies or creative agencies. Um, we have a network of, of carefully selected partners that we have identified as really powerful and, and influential uh, firms. And so I'm always open to hearing people out if they would like to work with us in the, from that perspective, not just marketing agencies, whether, you know, what, but really anything that you see potential for when it comes to understanding and impacting Gen Z. Um, we're looking right now into the, into the housing market and, and looking at, you know, Gen Z is about to have an impact in, in when it comes to, to short-term rentals and, and even um, our first home purchases. Uh, and so starting to do some research into that side of things. So really any organization that wants to better understand Gen Z, we are happy to have that conversation with them. 
So I want to switch gears here. Gen sure. Z Designs is only one of your fascinating projects that you have going on. And I, I'm curious, what is Champions for Charity? Yeah, so Champions for Charity uh, is a nonprofit I started junior junior year of high school. Uh, so 2016, which makes it about five years old. And it's a nonprofit that helps uh, empower young athletes to make a difference. And we do that through sports tournaments where your teams can choose their own cause and make a difference for that cause. And so, you know, I was a soccer player in high school and recognized that there was a certain pride when we stepped on the field to represent our team. Uh, but as soon as we finished the game and, and would go to our other activities, whether it was, you know, schoolwork or, or even volunteering, there was really no, that not, none of that pride that you felt. And so what we do with Champions for Charity is allow you to pick a cause that's personal to you and play for that cause. And so that really connects the person to the charity in a way that 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 uses sports as the the avenue to to do so. Um, and we found that to be extremely successful. And um, it's been you know five or six years. We've we've raised over seventy thousand dollars. We've had ten plus events and and impacted thousands and thousands of students. I had an idea and I'd heard of a nonprofit before and decided to Google, you know, how how to start a nonprofit and ended up following some instructions on WikiHow and. Uh, found myself registering a nonprofit with the IRS. <laughs> so not exactly you know, what, what I expected to happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it definitely launched my, my entrepreneurial journey. I think from that moment on, I realized the potential of just Googling something, going for it and, and, and seeing what the result would be. Now, are there any opportunities available for those interested in contributing to Champions for Charity? Yeah, always. And, and we all, we have a team of high school students that continues to cycle through the organization and, and make a difference. And um, we have a, a, our website is c4csports.org uh, for the number. So c4csports.org. And we are always accepting donations and ways to get involved and help, um, you know, plan tournaments in your own in your own area as well. You mentioned Champions for Charity is what led you down the path for entrepreneurship. Was that what ignited your interest or did you always know that you were meant to be an entrepreneur and that was just the catalyst to move forward? Yeah, I mean, great question. I, I'm not sure I always knew. And, and some people have that, you know, I was doing lemonade stands when I was five. I don't, don't know if I ever had that. I think I was always someone who looked for creative and innovative solutions to things. Um, I just wasn't sure that I knew uh, what the entrepreneurial path would be or would mean. So I think as I was starting Champions for Charity, I realized that there's this ability to design your own impact and, and not always do things in the traditional route. And since that moment, I've, I've been someone who has really, in some ways, despised the traditional route and, and done everything I can to stay away from that. With that being said, what is the most valuable advice based on your experiences that you would give to a prospective entrepreneur or somebody who recently uh, started a venture and they're just getting the ball rolling? What would be your most valuable advice? I would certainly say just to go for it. I think, especially if, if the audience here is a bit younger, as a student or as someone in school, you have an unparalleled opportunity to just try things and fail and there's really no downside you have a stable environment you can go back to most times and and really just this is a time in life where if you fail it really doesn't matter because you're still in school and you will still have opportunities to, to do other things and so the worst thing that happens from trying something and going for it is just realizing that you don't like it uh, and changing course and I think for many entrepreneurs and many students the idea of starting a business or starting a company is such a daunting thing but being able to recognize that it, it's really not that intimidating once you are 
once you take that leap of faith to just go for it. And once you have that first step in, I find it somewhat addicting and, and, and I know people do as well, but you know, this idea of really at that point, you are, are running your own life and you are in charge of uh, what your next step is. And there's not another system or organization that's controlling that. And so, you know, for me, that's a very freeing thought, um, but it really just starts with just trying it. And if you don't like it, then there's nothing wrong with that. And you can always change. For your journey specifically, what was the biggest failure or hurdle you faced in your journey and how did you overcome it? Going to Vanderbilt uh, and many similar schools, there's there's a big pressure um, to, to succumb to this idea of, of groupthink and, and follow the traditional path. And even myself, after having started some entrepreneurial ventures, I, I was very tempted just because that's what you do to recruit for a traditional job and, you know, follow the route of becoming a consultant or, you know, an investment banker. Like, you know, there's very traditional routes that I think are so attractive. But honestly, I just, it just took a lot of self-reflection to understand, you know, why are people doing that? And why is that something I want to do? And I think to answer that question, you really just have to know yourself. And so really, my hurdle and my battle has just been understanding myself in the most thorough way. Um, you know, I think it's such a challenge to, as a student, understand where you fit in the spectrum of other students in, in, a, in a career path. And, and you're not really supposed to know. And I think that's the biggest issue. But over time, again, with experimenting with trial by error and with just learning from that, I came to understand that this is a path that I not only enjoy, but I thrive in. You've got Champions for Charity, uh, your nonprofit, and then you have Gen Z Designs. You're finishing up at Vanderbilt. Uh, you're a very busy guy. What's next? Are there any other upcoming projects or ventures that you're looking to embark on? Yeah, I think I'm always someone who is open to opportunities and kind of just follows, you know, follows a, a path when I see it. I, I've actually experimenting with a friend of mine. And I'm really in the protection of kind of technology and society and, and our, our decision making um, and the way we interact. And so have um, something with a, a friend of mine uh, just to try and learn more and understand about our, our behaviors in terms of like how we make decisions as a group and had tried a, a, an app in the past with him um, that got postponed from COVID. But we think we are going to continue to explore some similar realms going forwards, but nothing Nothing set in stone there. Now, for anybody listening, is there anything you would like to add or discuss? Yeah, I mean, I think just given this past few months, whether it's, you know, being forced to leave school early or like myself, I was studying abroad and was forced to return home. You know, I think it's pretty easy to just say, wow, I mean, that's pretty bad luck. Like the COVID pandemic, yeah, it was really bad luck. But I recently read a book um, that really talks about this idea of the return on luck. You know, we all experience bad luck and, and the most successful companies don't experience less bad luck than the least successful companies. They, we all experience the same amount of bad luck, but it's really this idea of return on luck uh, that's important. And what are you gonna do with the luck you have? And what are you gonna do when that luck turns bad? And I think the answer really comes down to looking at yourself and, and asking yourself, what do I want to make of this? You know, how can I best use my time right now to make the most of this situation? And I think for me, at the start of the pandemic, when, when everything you know broke out and I was forced home and, and we started quarantining, I, I kind of asked myself, like, am I going to look back on this time and regret the time I spent and wish I had done something different? Or am I going to use this time to my advantage and make the most of it? And so that's what I've been trying to do to the best of my abilities with Gen Z Design. And I hope that for, for the people listening, we are all going to face bad luck in the future. It just is a matter of what you do with that that determines your success. Outstanding. That's great advice. I can 
completely agree with that. And we all experience bad luck. Uh, some of it we can make our own luck, but uh, you're absolutely right. We all experience uh, some level of bad luck, no more than anybody else, what we make of it. Andrew, I want to thank you for joining the Thrive Kings podcast. I am so excited that we got to connect. I am fascinated with our conversation on Gen Z. I wish your nonprofit the best of luck. Andrew, Rob, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Greg. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of Thrive Kings. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher Radio to never miss an episode of the Thrive Kings podcast.